do you have buttons where we do sound effects on this podcast? We don't, but if you want to request sound effects, I'll find them. And Can put you them do? In. I think we should like just the that, that DJ part. Laz. Yeah. Oh, na, 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 na. We'll just we take a little we'll, break. We'll put that for a lot of things. It'll just be a lot of DJ Laz. I don't actually know what he's saying though. Nobody know. actually knows what he's saying. <laughs> You are listening to Bang Kong Podcast. It's a podcast sandwich. I'm Nicky Menes, and I'm joined by our usual host, chef and chili cook-off champion, Michael Beltran. Mike, say hello to the people. Hello. There it is. Can I request entrance music? You, you know how, like, uh, I think, like, uh, almost like uh, uh, the WWF wrestlers. Oh, right, I was going to be a little bit more subtle and say, like, a baseball game. You know, when they go up to bat, they get their own, they each get to pick their own music, their entrance music. Right. But do you want it to be, like, the cheesy sports, uh, like, Rocky entrance music? Or do you want it to be, like, Alice in Chains? Um, are there other options? Can I? Well, I mean, right now the world is your oyster. Bear in mind that we will have the rights to nothing. So what we'll probably end up doing <laughs> is finding like a shitty high school kids cover of whatever you request. Perfect. Uh, that makes. What, it... what if I sing it? Oh, that's good. I I, I was gonna I was gonna look on uh, look for it on Spotify. <laughs> is there a rule that if you use less than fifteen seconds? I think that's made up. But we, I mean, let's just do it. Two fists. Yeah. You can introduce me now. And we are joined by our special guest, Zach. Should I call you Zach the Baker Stern? Yeah. Zach, yeah. Zach the Baker Stern. That's cool. By Zach, Zach the Baker Stern. Welcome to the podcast in the dungeon at area. Yeah. This is, uh, you You wouldn't think that this is Zach the Baker that's on all the ads at Whole Foods. No, you, would, you would never guess this. I, I mean, guys, thank you for having me. <laughs> This has been the greatest lead up to start a podcast ever. So I think everyone deserves entrance music. Didn't well, you always dream of what your music? Well, I think life is perpetually just like should be lived with uh, like a soundtrack. Yeah, I think in my mind, I'm all everything is with a the soundtrack. There's always like Curtis Mayfield playing for me. Yeah, what time like, of day is Curtis Mayfield playing for you? Usually, like right at the beginning of service. Wow, attack like, from every up. corner. Look at all these things that are happening. And Careful right with the bread. This guy bakes. a plate of charcuterie yeah, with a freshly that. baked brioche. Yes. And it's sitting it. on the table. It smells great. It's sliced through. <laughs> I love the play-by-play. Well, I feel so like good. we need to describe what's happening yeah, on the table. That looks exact, like a, some grilled in-house bread. Yeah, country loaf. Yeah, that's country what it's loaf? We call it country loaf. Thanks, guys. Of course. Wow. Um, I could probably use another one of these. A whiskey. There it is. One ice, small ice. Smallest ice. You know what it is? When they put the big ice, I feel like it just melts and I'm just drinking water. I know. Zach, thanks so much for coming on the podcast. Let's let's take a stab at letting people know who Zach is. (laughs) Uh, Okay, you do all the things. Zach, the. Yeah. Yeah. Zach, the the baker of. um, I I would say started almost a revolution of bread in Miami, I feel. Wow. I know. I, isn't that, that's like a big title. That's great. That's so cool to hear. I think, but I think that's the thing. I think that's what you did. How long has uh, has the bakery been open? The bakery's been officially open for business for, uh, since 2012. February, February uh, 2012. Jeez. Uh, yeah, February 2012 opened up in the garage. In the garage. Yeah. wasn't my garage. It was my friend's dad's garage. Amazing. Yeah, I was renting a room in his house and I said... Hey, Sandy, 
you, 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 would you be okay if I opened a bakery in your garage? And he said, you know, Zach, I think it's a great idea. <laughs> I think it's a great idea. Uh, but he had no idea what he was signing up for. And he signed up for it. Well, he did. I had roommates, too. And they were all supportive in the beginning. But then I started taking on apprentices, and they would live in the house in exchange you know, for room and board. They would work and whatnot. And so woofers. Uh, and uh, it just, I kind of took over the house. And these are dear friends of mine. But there was dough on all the door handles. And uh, some, of the, some of the apprentices would just smoke pot and sit on the couch and eat all the snacks. Sounds and, like a good life. I mean, yeah, it, it was cool, but it got a little out of hand because we grew. Like, we grew really fast. You want to run down on what you're going to eat before you eat it? Yeah, well, why don't you run down, I'm going to run it down. This is a duck and foie um, pate with uh, marsala gelée, country pate, chicken liver mousse, humble fog, house-made pickled beets, mame jam, and house-made mustard. Delicious. Thank yeah. you. Chaim, So... How long were you in the actual uh, garage until you actually found, like, the space? Oh, we're doing the story, huh? Yeah, no, you got to talk right about, like, the, the story. Thing. I know, we got to... No foreplay, nothing? This is... But this is the foreplay, trust you me. We haven't... heavy foreplay with that cell phone. You did. I mean, you... Uh... Didn't you guys go to the Marlins game when you were younger and dream of, like, what your entrance music would be? Um, I don't know, but, like, Marlins games isn't what I relate to entrance music. What every ball player had there, and some would do I like know, ACDC, I, like the white guys it, would do ACDC, like, and more wrestling. I yeah, remember more wrestling yeah. from younger, and like the entrance music and like that. Yeah, I don't remember like baseball for that, unless we're talking about uh, major league. Major league when Char- yeah, no, when Charlie Sheen's coming out and Wild Thing is playing. Oh, then major I league, the, the major the league, movie. the movie. They tell us you're a pitcher. You're sure not much of a dresser. We wear caps and sleeves at this level, son. Yeah. That's, that's when I really related. So you like this. like really exaggerated shit. Of course. I mean, like, not, like wrestling. I, I know we just had dinner for the first time like two weeks ago, but yeah, exaggerated is, is definitely my We're still. Name. This is our second date, man. I know. I feel I'm a little nervous. Really? I'll, I'm a little bit, I'm a little nervous. I'm not sure what to do with myself. Okay. I'm kind of flattered by that. <laughs> So, All right. Uh, so let's let's just let's just dive right in. Yeah, dive into the story. Tell what, people what kind of whiskey is this? This is the Lafroig I believe you were having before. How'd you know? You guys are so good. Attention service. to detail. It's called service. Thanks, Todd. Thank you. Actually, Todd's stage name is Cotton Candy. I don't know if you knew that. Well, are we going to get into that later, or are we just <laughs> going to leave that there? That's what I said. This is just the foreplay. We'll get into the meat later. I told you it depends on the stage. I'm right. I know. Cotton candy or bubble gum. <laughs> oh Lord. I guess you'll unpack that a little later after yeah. a few more Lafroids. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, what was the question? When did Are you the with... interviewer? Is I'm. It... I'm... <laughs> this, is this what you call interviewing? No, no, that's I, not I, what I, I actually... meant. You're doing. If you are, you're doing a great job. Thank I you. Just I'm not, no one has ever called me an interviewer, but my name is on the sandwich. Is how we we say it. So uh, I'm supposed to ask questions. Okay. I'm supposed to be prepared. I feel like my preparedness here is because I've eaten your food several times. Okay. That's how prepared I am for this podcast. Okay. But usually, I'm very unprepared. And that's was I I'm supposed watching. to do something to prepare? No, absolutely not. Actually, there was uh, the best story ever is when a guest came with notes. And I... and I, I didn't bring notes. Good. Okay. <laughs> I mean, then I would be very concerned if you came with I notes. I could bring notes, though. Don't, though. Okay. Don't. You Don't. guys didn't really tell me much. Yeah. 
Well, Nick, that's his job. He's supposed well to set done, things Nick. up and give no, people I, all the information. Awful, awful job. Nick does it does great work. Nice work, Nick. Mm, what's this? Uh, country pate. Yeah. So when you were in the garage, mm-hmm. and then people were smoking pot on the actual couch, when was the point after 2012 that you went to an actual space? Uh, it was about a year or so. And uh, my coolers gave out because it was summertime and I'm in the garage and there's no AC. That's like the worst. And my goats kept kept getting out of their fence. They were not baby goats anymore. They were big goats and they were getting horny. And you know, I mean, we all know what horny boy goats are like. I actually... I don't need to explain that. I don't have that that. much interaction with with goats, but I could only imagine. I'm sure you can. Yeah. So I won't... I don't even know you to go there. But uh, so the goats kept getting out. And uh, and the coolers were were starting to break down, and my roommates, who are my dear friends, they were really they had enough with me and the apprentices and the dough, and I think the septic tank uh, was filling up, and they blamed that on me too because apparently we were pooping too much, and uh, could have happened. It's possible. I'm not saying. Could've I'm happened. not saying that it. You know, I know you're for not sure it wasn't. It, yeah, but you're but, not accepting it either. I mean, we don't know. We're not. It's um, yeah. There's no conclusive evidence. And coincidentally, my roommate, dear friend, Kevin, love you, brother, uh, got, uh, was it chikungunya? Some kind of rare disease that might have been connected to the feces. But uh, <laughs> the point of the story is man, uh, it was time to go. You know, everyone, yeah, everyone has their, their cycle. And uh, after one year, because it grew so fast, man. I, really, it grew so fast. I started the farmer's market, and I was just this hipping-looking guy with a... I used to wear uh, suspenders, and I had a fedora. And I mean, I was all up in the drama. And I'd come with fresh bread, and it was really romantic. And I loved being a cartoon character. I just had so much fun telling that story. Uh, but it was legit. I mean, the bread was good, and it was fresh, and it was right out of the oven. Mm. And it just, it just took off. And so uh, you can't really scale up in a garage. Right. And so about that time, I, I just, I was really, I, I, I remember the day vividly because my coolers went down and for, for dough to not have any type of control uh, is real a real problem. And I, I needed to find a place to go and I got really lucky. Like the, the, the gods of the bread were shining down on me that day. And they connected me with a gentleman who has a commissary in Hialeah. And I called him, and I was there the next day. Like, I transferred The over. motherland, Hialeah. Yeah. Providing yeah. for everyone at all times. Deep in it, right near Red, White, and Blue. Mm. And this gentleman, uh, do we name names on this podcast? Of course. No, I don't want to name names. All but right. uh, this gentleman uh, let me in, and he, he really saved us. Like, really. By giving, he, he happened to have a stone oven, like a three-deck. It was a piece of crap, but it worked. Right. Stone oven, and I baked there for almost two years, wow. doing doing the night bakes and and yeah, and going to red, white, and blue, and that was it. The commissary out in Hialeah, and uh, and then once once we outgrew that place, that's when I took the big leap into Winwood and got my own retail. Two years. I don't know years. It's all get so blended together. I'm not Let's really say, good with years. Uh, yeah. Round it, round it. Let's just say about a year. In, in the garage, about two years in the commissary, and then about three years-ish in the first spot in Wynwood, which we then outgrew again. And then now where we are, it's been, I don't know, three years or so. Like, it's hard to keep track. It's been really a whirlwind. Yeah, it becomes like a, all very foggy. 
A lot's happened since life then. happens. Tell me about it, man. Yeah, life happens. We well, yeah, we should have a drink on that one. Yeah. Cheers to cheers to, to to life happening for the yeah, past uh, to past eight years. It's been a lot of life, man. I feel like if we don't sit back and take a drink on that one. Eight years. Uh, so we're looking at 2012, 2013. I think that's like uh, back when I started. When I went to when go, did you when did you start? When did you open? We turned five in January. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, but before that, I worked for I worked at the Cypress Room. For three years. That's right. We were reminiscing on that. Yeah. Three years and before that, I worked for Norman. So, you know, I mean, I like the the Zach the Baker bread has always been like around me, you know. And like I told you the, the other day when we had dinner, like I didn't really understand babka very mm. well. Uh, and I feel like bo- your babka and your egg salad got me through a large portion of quarantine this year. The babka and the egg salad. Yeah, I love fucking egg salad. Egg I love salad egg salad. Is my jam, and like no one, it's crazy how often you can put egg salad on a menu and no one orders it. Yeah, but it's fucking, you don't go to a restaurant to get egg salad, dude. I get egg salad sandwiches Not, all the time. Yeah, but you don't go to Ariet to get a. No, but you go to a diner. Is that how you, you go to diner. It? Yeah. <laughs> oh, you pizza. Is that how you say that? Yeah, Ariet. I didn't want to, you know. No, you nailed it. God, with the flash, jeez. No, I, no, no way. I'm gonna go to Ariet. I could because it could have been Ariet. It could be pronounced both ways. It's really whatever makes you happy. I don't want to come off as seeming like uneducated. No, but it's not an education thing, honestly. And and it's if you were to say it in Spanish, it's Ariete. Sounds weird. Ah, I can do that. I got. I got. I know. But every time, every time, accent. I know. Every time people do that, it sounds like a Daddy Yankee song to me. <laughs> it bothers me. Now's the time. Now's the time where you where you press the button and the music comes in. Yeah, so... Um, Wait, but serious question. Before yeah. you were baking in a garage, where did this start? Bread had to start somewhere. Uh, yeah, it started in uh, pharmacy school. I was in pharmacy school, and I was 22. Mm. And uh, and I'd been in school, I don't know, for like 10, 12, most of, my, most of my life. I'd been in school. And at some point, I'm just like, man... Am I going to keep doing this? Am I just going to keep going to school? And I don't know. My life just felt boring. Uh, right now, the lights are flickering <laughs> as I speak about my life being boring. <laughs> they came back on. Welcome to the Red Room. Yeah. This place is fucking creepy, dude. L'chaim, <laughs> uh, Cheers. So, yeah, I just, I switched. I switched. <laughs> Uh, and uh, I'm, I was privileged enough to be able to drop out of school and to uh, to take a risk. Now, that's what I think. I know there's a lot of like people throwing the word privilege around. I was privileged. I was able to withdraw from school and take a risk to start working on farms that had no guarantee. I mean, I would have made a good salary as a pharmacist. Would have been bored and depressed, but I would have I would have been stable. Anyway, long story short, I became a baker. And uh, I learned uh, by working on farms. Uh, I actually studied cheese mostly on, on these farms and uh, and bread as well. And uh, I learned a lot about how to work my ass off, how to, how to work hard from sunup to sundown. That, was, that country wisdom, that like that farmer mentality, that, that permeated. 
I learned a lot about that. When did you, uh, but like, when was that moment that you said, I just wanted, I want to make bread? Like, oh, I no. Mean, when I was learning how to be a baker, I'm like, hell no, I'm not going to become a baker. These guys right. have to wake up so early. Fuck. Uh, the thing was, when I came back to Miami, it's what I knew how to do. I knew how to break bread. I knew how to make cheese. And so I started baking bread in the garage and I went up and I got four French Alpine goats from Central Florida. And that was the idea. I'm going to do what I know how to do. I know how to make cheese and I know how to make bread. And I'm going to make a living out of this. I just didn't realize how challenging that life was going to be. Right. I wonder if I if I knew, like, would I do it again? I probably would. I was 20, 25, 26. And I had... I had no girlfriend, and I had no debt, and I had not. I mean, like, I threw my whole self into it. Right. And that's when you started, uh, 2012 was around that time, right? 2012 when were, is when I started, yeah, February 2012. 20, 26, 27 years old? Yeah, I was, I was a young, and my prostate was, like, the size of a quarter. <laughs> I mean, so now it's been, what, eight years? Yeah, I mean, it's, I can still, I have a good, you know, flow. Mm. I mean, it's good. <laughs> you want to make sure you're about four young prostates. From the <laughs> now we're using young prostates as the gauge of where to talk into the mic. Uh, but uh, yeah, I've aged a lot though. Yeah, I mean, the industry, those eight years, the aged industry the, aged the shit out of me. Yeah. Oh my god, and I quickly. feel like a. I feel like an old man. I feel decrepit now. I'm broken. And I feel like this year ages you like times four. Tell me about it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to go into retirement in like five years. But that's not true. I'm a no, I'm a maniac worker. I love working. Well, I mean, you like your job. I love my job. That's why. I mean, if you were to do if you were to think back about, yeah, that shit's fucking hard, you'd still do it again because you like it. Really? Like, it's so much fun. It's so enjoyable. I mean, granted, I am stressed a lot of the day and I've got a, a scowl as well oh scowl yeah you know what i mean like i wake 100%. up i get to work i haven't eaten anything yet and i'm just tense as hell my poor team Ugh, god and all i can see is what's wrong i really I, I really need to eat food before i get to work you ever think about what's right yeah once i've eaten <laughs> oh. i had a good cup of coffee and a, and a decent poop and then i'm yeah i'm flying then but uh mm-hmm I don't know. I'm moody. I'm 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 like I'm pretty human. <laughs> I had to tell you the the best part of uh, that dinner we had a couple weeks ago was the biggest common denominator in the last year. I feel is that sense of being like, why am I? Why do I have to go through this? Why do I have to like all these things? Hmm. And realize, I mean, it's not just us. It's fucking everybody. That's yeah. had to deal with this absolutely incredibly fucked up year and deal with like, and everyone's situation is different. You know, your business is very different than my business. And, you know, everyone at that table had a very different perspective because their businesses were affected differently. But the common denominator was everyone was affected. Yeah. And everyone was going through it. And everyone had like some kind of emotional feeling towards it. And I think the biggest thing I appreciated from that dinner was just fucking laughing yeah fucking off like having a good time because it's always like we have to be so straight edged and so like for survival yeah you feel like you have to be straight edged to survive well i feel like you have to be 
on your ones and twos in order to survive. What happens if you're on your threes and fours? Who knows? Mm. Who knows? I think that as the head of any kind of company or whatever you do, like you need to know all the things that are happening. You need to try to make sure everything's going well. And then this year it's like, I mean, if I feel like if there was one slip up in any kind of corner, then we could be fucked or we could not be fucked. Dude, that's a lot of pressure. Yeah. It's a lot of pressure. But I feel like everyone at that table was kind of feeling that kind of pressure in a different way. Yeah. You know, and that's why I appreciated the fact that um, we were just having a good time on a day that uh, everyone was open. It's always nice to get drunk with a bunch of industry folk. That's true. That is true. And eat good food and drink a lot. I feel the pressure, man. I, as, as someone who is leading a team as and responsible for uh, 60, 70 something people and and for the books and for the legality and for the, the morale and for the community and for... I feel the pressure. I, I feel a lot of pressure, actually. So when you say that, being on your ones and twos, I can relate to that. That morale thing, that's a tough one. Yeah, it's a tricky one. Well, especially now, I feel like it's always tough motivating people. People are easily unmotivated, I think. They fall into like this, like, because our, our jobs are very, like, repetitive. Yeah. You know, we do the same moves every day at the same time every day. And even more so in baking, I feel like, than mine. It's very repetitive. You know, you got to do the same things because the quality needs to be the same, needs to be consistent, and so on and so on and so on and so on. So that kind of like drags people to a place that they're unmotivated. They're just become, they come, become very robotic. In this time, how do you motivate people for what? To put food in a takeout bag? Like, for me, it was tough because our motivation here has always been we want to serve the best food in the country. We want to serve that. Now we got to put it into a box. It's just mind fuck for a lot of people. Yeah. Um, I don't know how. how, What do you do? Just be there for people as much as possible. Because, I mean, what else is there really to do? You could tell them what the dream is on the other side, but you yourself don't know when the other side is going to happen or what it really looks like. Yeah. No, I mean, we don't have it. There's no horizon. There's no horizon. Like, really. No one, no one can tell us oh, on this date we're going to be back to what you knew as normal. So well, we don't. I mean, we don't know this new normal idea. I mean, this is what we're going to live in for a long period of time. Yeah, I agree. So, I don't know for uh, for me, uh, and and I certainly don't have the answer. But it's just to stay focused on the mission that we're we're here for something bigger than ourselves. You know, you can work anywhere in Miami. You can work anywhere. You can get another job for the same pay and whatnot. But you came here for a reason because we're we're an independent local spot that's focused on the mission. There's no one kind of uh, pushing us away from what our mission is. And so staying focused on that mission as something bigger than yourself, that's helpful, I think. In the morale aspect, you can coach people to morale. But what about you, your own morale? Because, like, me personally, I struggled with that a lot. I know that my – I wanted – I'm a competitor by nature. Yeah. I want to compete. I want to win. Yeah. I'm a bad loser. I, I'm okay <laughs> with that, saying that out loud. I, I don't, you know, like, I'm a bad loser. That's why I like to box because you either win or you fucking lose. Yeah. You know, like um, – and this year, you're only – I feel like we're only competing against ourselves. 
You know, we're not, I don't want to compete against my neighbor. I want my neighbor to succeed. I want my neighbor to survive. Yeah. You know? So the idea for me morale wise during the entire quarantine was like, we just need to be better than what we were on the other side. Okay. And how's it going? Yeah, we are. Oh, killer. Without a doubt. So you have a new measuring stick. Yeah. And every day it's like, how do we improve on that? But then my question to you is, how do you keep your own morale to a place that drives you every single day? Uh, how do I keep my own morale to a place that drives me every day? That drive, that, that, that thing that you want to coach other people to believe in the vision, right? Yeah. This year, the vision has been foggy for everyone. Yeah, but it's hard to explain. I, uh, there's something inside me that is never satisfied and is always wanting to be better. And once we get to better, there's a new better. And it's just always pushing. And it's not that I'm a dissatisfied person. It's just I like reaching to see how far we can go. Mm-hmm. So there is this this never-ending dissatisfaction <laughs> of just wanting to reach for more, wanting to push, wanting to be better. Agreed. And uh, I can't explain. I don't know where that... It's probably uh, something that's deeply rooted inside of me uh, that's been programmed through years of socialization and and trauma but uh it's inside me it's it's hardcore too do you often feel like the your team doesn't get it the same way you get it of course they don't get it how could they possibly it's it's sometimes i don't even get it i mean how how often are you 100 percent self-aware of of what you're thinking Hmm. and then that's just the conscious what about the subconscious that's also you know pushing behind it Of, of course they don't get it but I, I mean, I really, I need them to, there's going to be times where they don't get what I'm talking about. There's going to be times where they disagree with what I'm talking about. There's going to be times where there's, they have no clue what the hell I'm saying. But I need them as their leader. I need them to be behind me yeah. and to trust me, even even if I fail. And there's going to, I'm not afraid of that. Like we, we fail all the time and I need them to be behind me, even if I fail. And then we say, okay, we fail, we fail quickly. And then we move on to the next hmm. I need them. I need them behind me. You can't always win. You got to fail. Of course not. In fact, I feel like we'll win the most when we fail. Like we learn so much from failing. Mm-hmm. I don't want to sound like some you know West Coast tech uh, entrepreneur about failing and iterating and shit, but it's 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 uh, it's really helpful to allow yourself to fail and to to learn from it for sure. Yeah, and we. We're, we're so good at failing, man. We're like... Psh. I think that accepting the fact of when, when you're okay with failing, you start to take more risks and the rewards are higher. Yeah, man. Yeah, you let, yourself, you let yourself be creative. And you let yourself learn from those mistakes. And also your team. Let your team fail. You know, let them take the risk too. And not to get all over their back and to give them a hard time for it. Like, I... It's a it's a tricky thing, man. You know, I came into this as a craftsman, mm. and then I was forced to learn how to be a businessman, oh, yeah. right? Because you know we're independent. There's no we have no financial backers. We have no. It's just me and my team, which I love, by the way. And uh, it's also I've been forced to learn how to be a leader, and that's a process, man. I've I've made a lot of mistakes along the way. And, and I have a lot of regrets and I have a lot of things I look back on and, and I think, wow, I would have really wished I I did this instead, for sure. But I, 
I think as a as a young man and as a young entrepreneur, like it takes time. I can't expect myself to just know how to do everything right away. It's it's going to take time, and and the community also like. I feel like it's important for me to be transparent in that process with the community, and to allow me and us to get get to the place where we need to be. Um, I don't want it. Like, I don't believe it when it's just like magically poof, boom. Here we are. Here's a concept, right. spick and span, right in your face. No, man. I want you to watch us grow. You saw me as a seed. You you watered me. You nourished me. You you helped us grow to where we are, and now we keep going. And I I want to be a I want to be a strong tree in, in this community. Good bread, man. Thanks. Yeah, Tell dude. Devin. She's uh, incredible. Right on, Devin. She makes all the bread in-house. Burger buns, Parker House rolls, brioche, um, this country country loaf. Not to digress, but that's pretty unusual. Yeah. It used to be that restaurants, and especially hotels, had in-house bakery, bread, pastry, everything. Little by little, they've all outsourced that you know, to get more seats, more tables to sell more alcohol. So I think that's pretty damn righteous, man. Well, I mean, you also look at it from like a, like a business perspective. You know, when when I brought Devin on board, bread was something that she vocalized that she wanted to do. And it took time. I mean, there it's only, you know, people are like, well, it's only four breads. And I'm like, it's four breads and we don't have, we're not a bakery. Yeah. So like in order to be able to execute this in our kind of kitchen is tough. So. No, dude, I get it. It's that's a lot of prep. That's a lot of work. A lot of fermentation. Your oven space, I'm sure, is very limited. We have one oven. You have one. What? You have a uh, combi. We have a doyon oven. A doyon. Oh, that's a good brand. Yeah, it was actually here when we bought the property. We oh, had two of them. So they're still both here. Not to get into too much industry speak, but this was a turnkey. Uh, I mean, the bones. Some of the bones of it were. Turnkey. I mean, was there a grease trap? Yeah. Was so there that a- kind of turnkey? Yes. Yeah, there is a hood. No. Ah, okay. So it's like it was a, actually like it was a it was a wine a wine store like a cheese. And oh, wine dude, store. I remember what was, yeah, it was here. Cep- Cephalo's Wine Village. Yes. Jimmy. Yeah. I know you're out there, Jimmy. Down here, there's a large uh, prep kitchen. It's all induction. All induction, mm-hmm. dude. I'm a I'm a heavy induction guy. Well, because you don't need a hood for it. Well, that's what I yeah. That's right. <laughs> I'm aware. <laughs> And then what do you tell everyone? You're like, why is this down here? Like, oh, because we warm up soup. Uh-huh. <laughs> you don't actually like cook anything down here. This is all for warming up soup. You guys make a lot of soup. We make a lot of soup. What do you want me to tell you? Now we're we, we're into like the 240 volt. You know the yeah. three, the the heavy duty three phase induction. We're hardcore induction people. How many induction people out there? All my induction people out there. All the bartenders are gonna be like, yeah. No. Whoop whoop to all my induction people out there, yeah. All the cheap people that don't want to buy hoods. I'm with you. I'm yeah. all about it. Bootstrap, guys. <laughs> I'm still doing it. I'm hanging in there. Yeah. How many employees do you have now? Uh, I feel like we're in the the 60 to 70 range now. We're, we're almost back to where we were pre-COVID. I, oh. I, in fact, I think we are back, yeah. That's impressive. Yeah. Will you reopen the... Inside or no? Just with the falafel pop up outside? Yeah, just not inside yet. No inside. Not yet. Yeah, we're we're all very hesitant to bring people back in for a lot of different reasons. Some of it is selfish, and some mm-hmm. of it is a uh, is a little bit of fear, you know, to bring people back in and. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I know that. Uh, for instance, the only like our place chugs is like the most similar to. The bakery, so like 
we kept it the way that it was during COVID, and we're not going to change it. Ah, uh, no one's coming in? No, but we're closing for renos very soon to make it a bigger space. Mm. Um, but in, You're just taking over Coconut Grove, dude. That's not true at all. Not Is that true. a bad thing? No, I mean, it's it's not like a bad thing, but we're not like taking over the Grove. There's plenty of people that have dropped like millions upon millions of dollars, you know, like, and I won't name any names, but. I thought we named names here. I know. Uh, yeah, you can. You this should. is a safe. I know, place. but there's one person that I like a lot, so I won't. I won't name any names. But like, I'm not gonna name any names anymore. If you're not gonna name God any names, God bless. I mean, when you look at Michael's restaurant, Tiger Tail and Mary, that's a two million dollar restaurant. It's a beautiful restaurant. Beautiful. Well done, Mike. Yeah. When you look at uh, the amount of money that like Groot Hospitality is gonna drop in Cocoa Walk, yeah, you're talking about three or four million dollars. Yeah, it's the big boys. Yeah, and I get. I guess they're big boys. I mean, by name. But they have to execute also. So, mm-hmm. yeah, like we stay – I think that we have a good amount of growth, but we do it pretty organically, and we've done it in a smart way, and I think that we back that up with quality too. It's not just like uh, we have $3 million, we're going to fucking build out this dope-ass space, and the food's going to be trash. You know, I think a lot of that is coming to the growth. Uh, there's like people from out of town too just dropping like – crazy money like six thousand square foot spaces like what that's so big hmm. you know i heard there was like a six thousand square foot taco place coming like what is that you know how many tacos you gotta sell for that there's a lot of tacos man a lot of fucking tacos so probably more booze though yeah maybe i don't know the grove is an interesting place i feel like uh the booze scene is young and they're cheap hmm. you know like but it's always kind of been like that right I mean, it was when we were when we were younger. Yeah. You know, like back in the days when you used to do loser laps around the Grove. Yeah. You know. Back I'm when, sorry, I'm not familiar with that term. Can you come on loser laps? Loser laps. Yeah, you just get in your car and you drive around in circles and see all the you know. No, no, never did that, man. That's a lie. There's no That's way. That's a lie. No way. That. I mean, there's, we would there's come no here. There's no way you know who DJ Laz is. We would go you to. You wouldn't the, get in your car and you wouldn't just drive around in circles because you'd be listening. To, yes, exactly. That's what I mean. That's your job. Why do I keep having to do that, man? You're the he producer. Would Zach, could he? Because he would cut it in. He would then cut it in. Ah, he's like, cut it in. Well, yeah. I mean, but I don't need to now. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Just keep doing more of that. I feel like you don't have to pay for it if I do it. That sounds, that sounds accurate, so you should keep doing it. You've never heard of a loser lap before? I never did. No, I never heard of a loser lap. But I did come to the Grove. We go to the, what was the Moose place? Yeah. The, Moose. Uh, Mr. Moose. Yeah, with all that wood. We have Moose juice. You talking about Moose juice? We serve Moose juice. You guys serve Moose juice? Yeah, in honor of Mr. Moose. It's going to turn into a dumpling place in like uh, a year. Dumpling house. I feel like you have a lot of opinions about, you know, the outsiders coming into the Grove with I their do. I have outsider, uh, I have opinions about outsiders coming to Miami, period. So the, tell me. That's my therapist would say. <laughs> no, it's uh, a lot of times these bigger names would come to Miami and they think they understand the market and they would fall flat on their face. How many big time chefs have we seen come here? And then every journalist under the sun gives them every single piece of media that they possibly can. And then they come, they open, they're here for six months, they visit their restaurants, you know, once every three months, and then they fucking leave. Instead of that homegrown talent, like yourself and others, that we've been fortunate to get a good amount of press, but there's some that don't. You know, and and I feel like there's, uh, it's all because of that media frenzy of like, you know, let me just stroke the biggest fucking name I can find. And that is where my angst comes from. Mm. It's not about the Grove. I mean, I think, I, I, I love the Grove, and I feel like the, the Grove, if I had one ask 
for the government of the Grove, which they would never listen to me because they don't like me, mm. but would be to make the Grove like how Napa is. There could only be small, like that homegrown, small restaurant group kind of thing that would come here. You can't have more than five outlets and so on and so forth. And I think that that would be special because this is one of the small, like last towns, small cities of Miami, you know, like that real historical space. So, so what, how do we do that? We, we can't do it because money drives the entire city. So it doesn't matter. Like, they would tell me to go fuck myself because this guy paid off this guy to make sure he strokes this guy so they could put their thing here. You know, it's just like why uh, Tobacco Road was supposed to get knocked down. Why so many things have happened. Why we keep on plowing west and destroying some of our, like, most beautiful lands that make Florida special for another Walmart. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Because someone is stroking someone and giving them a fuck ton of money so they could build more shit. For more things. Well, damn. <laughs> but look at where, where the bakery is. A lot of development. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're talking about the amount of increases in real estate there have been astronomical. Not now. Yeah, well, now I think things are starting to stabilize. And if some content, you know, content, if, if some young chef, some eager chef came in, uh, there's a few turnkeys around. And if they had a little bit of savvy or someone that was guiding them on how to be savvy, not just a craftsman, but also a little bit of business too, yeah, they can go to one of these landlords and say, hey, landlord, I got the content. You got the empty building. Let me give, take a risk on me and we'll do a, we'll do a deal together, heavily percentage rent, right? And then we'll, we'll stabilize it over time. I mean, now's the time. So where, where are they at? But you also said it's someone that can give them some business sense. You like gotta you, have you that business sense. You wouldn't have been able to. I had this conversation actually with Kush two days ago. Yeah, you wouldn't be able to stand your ground and understand what all those things mean meant at the beginning. I, I don't. I know I didn't five years ago. Now I can sit here and sit into a, sit in a meeting with a bunch of suits and laugh at them and tell them that you're all full of shit. You know. Yeah. But that's because my dream is actual. I'm living my dream. My dream is right now. It's a 70-seat restaurant that's existing. Other people are trying to create their dreams, and it's more romantic. You, like you said, have worn several hats. The business hat, the leadership hat, all those things. So you have more of that swag to you to sit in a room and be like, nah, man, I'm good. Yeah, but how do you make that leap from like that from like that uh, exec chef at Failure. someone's? You try, you say. Failure, yeah. Because, man, they're out there, you know. 75% of Wynwood, and I'm not saying everyone needs to come to Wynwood, it's not everyone's cup of tea, but is empty. Yeah. And there there are some spots that are just ready for someone to walk in and to activate it. But you, you got to be able to speak to these sophisticated landlords and you have to be able to, to understand what that deal is and what you need and what they need so that you can have a win-win. Mm. But they're, they're there, man. I know they're there. So yeah. where are they at? Are we? <laughs> was that a sound effect? <laughs> was, or was someone flushing was the toilet? The only I think that when when she walks out, we should all clap. Yeah, because it was like a perfect sound. Where are they at? <laughs> they came Where down. Where are the landlords at? No, dude. They, they came downstairs to take a very quiet poop, and they thought no one was gonna be here. No one's gonna hear it. No one's gonna smell it. Like I'm. This is like my holy time. My cave. This is my cave because we are kind of in a cave with the red lights this, under Ariette. There's no red lights here. Ariette. <laughs> Ariette. 
Ariete, well, evening poops in Ariete. <laughs> what? What? What a what a series that would be evening poops by but area. Like but he who's the host? I mean, you could definitely be the host. No, dude, that. it's the guy that's coming out of the bathroom in like five seconds. He's I hope he's washing his hand for twenty seconds and then he's gonna walk out here. Sanitize and, it. Yeah, yeah. obviously. Yeah. Sanitize everything on your body. Yeah. Did you feel like uh, uh I don't know eight years ago you had the wherewithal to? All right, nice, Woo! perfect. Well, it was loud. It was so loud. It was so loud. It worked the sound. Was that a good moment, though? Perfect. Was, We're talking about landlords, and then a flush perfect. happened. It was good. Awesome. It was a lovely Can you ask Mike to fire me another Negroni? We didn't get her name. I'm sorry. Her name is Shannon. Shannon. Thank you, Shannon. Um, Did we take phone calls here? No, that would be... It's not live. That's the uh, problem. We could fake a phone call, though. That would be great. No, I want like I want to take some phone calls, like Delilah. Yeah, well, we could... <laughs> this man... We could do that. Sounds like you need your own podcast. Yeah. Why do I need my... I'm just going to go on Mike's podcast. I don't need my own. Well... I'm just going to come down here to the dungeon. This is... What's the Red Room right now? The Red Room. Yeah. I, I When I get into that conversation about landlords and leases... Yeah, you get people, all heated up, man. I can see. I do. Well, because I feel like more often than not, they take advantage of that passion in so many of us. And, you know, a lot of us are stupid and we fucking fall for it. And we're like, yeah, it's a great idea. A two-year lease is an amazing idea. Two-year lease with 30% percentage rent after a break point of 300 grand. Yeah. Yeah. Let's yeah. jump. And then your option for five more is uh, dependent on their person that they want to say what the fair market value is going to be. But you know what, years. man? Like, we're amateur hour. And these guys know the game. Yeah, and I mean, we need like, to learn their shit. Yeah, well, that's. I was an amateur hour when I when I signed correct. my first lease, and I'm getting all upset and huffy puffy at them. But you know what, man? I was out of I was out of my league, and these guys knew what they were doing, and they've been doing this for a long time. And I'm, and I'm, I'm. You know what they say in Italian? Stai cagando fuori dalla tazza. You're shitting outside the toilet. I was shitting outside the toilet. I thought like here I am taking a good poop, but nope. I completely missed the toilet. You never want to shit outside the toilet. No, it's a, it's a, it's uh, you're obviously you have no idea what you're doing. That's a bad, bad. And move. did they know it? They knew it, and they were still being charitable. I had a guy who was holding my hand as if I was charity, and he tried his best to be like, "Hey, here's what you need to do. You should really think about this." And I'm like, "Yeah, man, I'm gonna have a bakery, dude. I'm gonna have a bakery in Winwood. It's gonna be so cool. My God, we're gonna make sourdough bread and shit." And put peanut butter on it. And, uh... <laughs> put peanut butter on it. We talked about that. I'm a peanut butter man. Uh, yeah, I'm a peanut butter guy, too. Yeah, man. America. But, uh... You know what? I think it's up to us to, to learn their language. And to, to sit at the table and look them eye to eye and say, Hey, dude. You want to win? I want to win. Let's find that win-win. And uh, let's do it together. Let's be let's be partners of sort. Yeah. And that's the only way. If they win well, and you win. It's like I tell all of them. Like, I don't own this property. If I was buying this property, it would be different. But this bathroom belongs to you. I'm just renting it. So you need to fix the bathroom. You need to fix the plumbing. You need oh, we're to getting it. into... Well, like, can I see your lease? Let me see the terms of your lease and we can... My, you want to see my lease? Yeah, I mean, sometimes it's, you know, up to the walls and the windows and the doors, sometimes fixtures. I mean, are HVAC included? Mm-hmm. 
HVAC are included? Oh yeah. It's your it's this is your responsibility? Oh no, no, it's their responsibility. Oh, I, I don't know who negotiated your lease, but that's a good deal. Yeah. Cuz my I'm, HVAC. Whoo, let me tell you about my HVAC. Tell you maybe. what. So I don't know, but and there's like so many my favorite was this was back 4 years ago someone was like, "Yeah, you know, we're going to give you TI of Can you explain TI? Tenant improvement cash. Yeah. Tenant improvement cash. That tenant improvement cash that you say, okay, I want $25 a square foot, and then it's 1,000 square feet. No, I feel like now's the time in like NPR where something like the Nina Totenberg will come in and explain what, you know, what TI yeah, what is. TI means. Yeah, right? exactly. Yeah, no, that's, we don't, we don't that's have again, someone like that. It's Nick, not in the budget. No, we do have, Nick. It's not in the budget. What are you doing? Are you on social media while you should be explaining what TI is? Exactly what's happening right now. Actually, we actually, we don't, it's not in the budget. What kind of that's operation have, is this? I mean, Super it's. It is super Mickey Mouse. Well, you know what? I think, you know, you need to listen to Terry Gross. Do you guys ever listen to Terry Gross? I don't even know who Terry Gross you know, is. So, 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 I, I, I really think that this is, this is really going good. So, so, uh, Mike, tell me, um, you guys don't listen to Terry Gross? Yeah. On the radio, dude. Terry Gross, fresh air. Now, your early act was a combination of banjo playing, juggling, magic tricks, and comedy. And some of that stayed in your later act, too. But it sounds like a vaudeville act. Philadelphia, you know? You seem like a fresh air kind of guy. Do I? No, not at all. You seem like a Whoa. W WIOD. What's what's like the uh, the sports talk radio? The ship. Five, 560? 560. Yeah, the 560. Ship, see, 560. the ship my dad would listen to in the radio when he would take me to school. Yeah. Levitard, man. That, so you know what you know exactly what I'm talking about. Levitard's a legend. You're not a 91.3 kind of guy. You're a 560 kind of guy. I mean, you're being presumptuous, but that's fine. I'll take it. I'm guessing. You are good. See what happens. What the lights go out. That's right. <laughs> well, I guess correct me then. No, I mean you're right. <laughs> <laughs> I mean you're right. What's your What's your Sorry to digress. Can I do this, Nick? Oh, you can do all of that. What's your alternative to to 560? Well, I don't listen to sports radio anymore. Oh. I just, I'm not in my car ever. So how do you get to work? You walk? I mean, it's, uh, when I drive, it's like a three-minute drive, mm. and I walk. It's like 12 minutes. Ah, no kidding. Yeah, it's pretty nice. Is it? I, I, I love that drive to work. I used to drive a lot. It's my time. Yeah, no, but it's the car, and there's people, and it's things. Oh, I just can't. But you can walk to work. I love it. Put a little wow. music on. That's so provincial. Yeah, I love it. That's great, dude. I know. I, no, I don't love it in August, but I love it. Yeah, August, you get to work. Yeah, July, I'm not a fan of walking to work in July. Just sweating. You get to work and you have to change your clothes and shower. We were talking about something substantial. Ah, landlords. landlords. Fucking landlords. You know what, though? I don't think it has to be like that. I think it's only like that because we're so sorely out of our league that we fucking hate them. I don't totally think that that's true. I think that the... Real estate market is ran by three major companies. You gonna name them? Comras is one. Mm. Lyle Sharif in your area, that whole design district, Wynwood area. He owns like, I don't know, at least he represents a good majority of it. And the third, I don't, I couldn't tell you, but I, I would feel like there would be at least one or two more. Mm. Comras by far is the biggest one. Yeah, by far. And they don't own all that property. They represent a lot of that property. Michael, if you're listening, you should be flattered. Yeah, I guess. We think you're number one. I mean, I guess you should be flattered. 
I, it, actually, I don't think he's saying that in a good way. I'm I'm not saying that in a good ah, way. Never mind, Michael. Yeah. No, I mean they they do because since they control the market so much, they can they can dictate a lot of what the market should do. Dictate? Fuck that, man. They're salesmen. You are the content. We I get are it. the. Con- they're nothing without us. I know. I'm aware. You don't have to yell at me. I I'm get sorry. it. You're yelling at me. I'm I know. Sorry. I agree with you. But it's the other people. That haven't been fortunate. To think that they have all the power is such nonsense. They're just salesmen of buildings. They have nothing without they content. Don't, but the truth is they don't care about you. They don't. They don't care if you succeed or you don't. If we succeed, they succeed. But if you don't succeed, they can replace you with someone else. But, yeah. I mean, not to be cruel, but that's fucking business, dude. And I agree. I agree. But that's what I'm saying, that they don't care if you succeed or not. It is just business to them. Our thing, our business. But are they supposed to care about you? I mean, I think that I want my like my mother to care about me. Oh, I think there should be care in everything in life. I think everything in life there should. I be think a there sense should be care. respect and there should be uh, fairness. But when but when care? you build when you build a lease that is so landlord heavy, yeah, is that respectful? I it's mean, we're not. getting we're getting into like ethics now. I really think we should be better equipped. Agreed. With understanding the business 100%. and not just the craft. And I think you know, my first lease, I was sorely naive, yep. and and it forced me. And I learned a lot out of that. And if I ever do another lease, which I hope I don't, uh, then I'm I'm going to be hardcore at that table. Good. Uh, but uh, I, I don't know. I guess I'm asking the question. Should we expect them to be caring for us? Caring. I mean, respectful and to be fair. But why does business need to be, uh, well, respectful and fair? But that, I think all of that, if you're respectful and fair to people, you care. You're building a lease that is respectful and fair and ethical. There is care in that because you're building something with care. Because it's not, business is crude. It is cut and dry. Yeah. You know, I mean, that is the sad part of, I think... You're a competitor, dude. Yeah, no. You want you want that linebacker to be caring for you? I'm not saying for me. You can come at me with every fucked up thing you have and you're not going to beat me. But there's a lot of other people that aren't as knowledgeable as we are. That are just stepping out of that executive chef role that have never negotiated a lease. That they didn't go to school for it. They didn't go to school for business. They don't know what TI even means. They think that they're like, we're going to lend you 200 grand and we're going to amortize it over the point of your lease for the next five years. uh, Michael, I didn't realize what a liberal you were. (laughs) (laughs) I I didn't realize it. I didn't take you for, you know, such a caring liberal. That's interesting. Just because I listen to sports talk radio. (laughs) (laughs) No, it was the gold tooth. It was the gold teeth. It was the gold cap. No, I'm. uh, Well, look, man. I I don't know. I I think it's 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 a it's competitive and it's business and it's brutal. And I think we need to be better educated. And I wish I was better educated when I came into it. And now now I've learned a bit and at my expense. But they learned a bit too at their expense too to get to where they are. You know what I mean? They made bad business deals when they started as well. Yeah, these guys coming up, and I'm just sitting at the table with people that are, you know, I'm playing against the the Patriots to speak in your language, right? <laughs> right, and I'm and I'm some some amateur rookie league, you know, playing against the fucking Patriots, mm. and they they whooped my ass, and they, you know, they were charitable. I also they didn't run up the score. I also feel there's a point of pride that we all carry. 
it's in our industry it's like well i'm the best chef x y and z so i would never ask anyone for any fucking help right in these scenarios i mean i ask every person that i think would know more than me for their help and yeah. for their assistance and their knowledge and their things just like Michael, I asked Michael for a bunch of fucking advice when I first started. And he provided me with all the advice I needed. At least the ones that he could. And that was super helpful. You know, um, I still failed over and over and over and over and over again. And I think that that failure led me to be, to ask the question more of like, why, why, is, why does business have to be so dirty? Why do you think it's dirty? You just said it yourself. What did they're, I say? They're, bu- they're building a lease that's uh, ethically wrong, right? They're that's building a lease that's favorable for them. Which is ethically wrong. But you don't to have to that. choose it. You don't have to take it. I know. Well, I, I understand that. But you're also, you also know that you're, you have outmatched this 24-year-old person that just learned how to bake bread in the last five years. And that's all they've cared about. And they never once looked at a lease in their life. I got my ass kicked. I'm just saying. I was learning. You know, I'm coming. I was coming up in the biz, and I, I learned my lesson. And it's not going to happen again. Were I, they? I guess you're asking me the question. Why were they ethically wrong for putting a break point so low on my percentage rent when they knew better? Yeah. Like, I don't know, Joe. You out there? You listening? Were you ethically wrong for putting a break point so low? I don't know, man. Part of me, you know, thinks that. This is business, and I should have been better advocated for. Someone should have been sitting at that table saying, "Hey, Zach, this is not good. You want to increase that break point because you're going to be very dissatisfied after a year of succeeding." I thought we're going to sell twenty breads a day. That would be amazing, twenty breads a day. So, based on my projections, that break point was fine. Bless, bless. Fucking a. Yeah. Well, I mean, turns out we did better. <laughs> and, yeah. And they picked the right horse. And they won on this one, but you know what? They've lost on a lot of other ones too. Yeah, I, I, I don't, I don't blame them, man. It's me. That's I I'm, was. I'm a, not. I'm I not, was a young buck. I'm, I'm not blaming anyone. I'm saying that you're saying they're ethically wrong. I am. It's not blame. That's just me telling you that you're fucked up. I'm not saying. I'm not blaming you for being any kind of way. I'm just saying that you're a fucking asshole. That's basically that's basically what I'm doing. Wait, 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 I just want to get that. I just I just want to make sure I get that straight. You're not blaming me in any way. You just want to make sure I know I'm fucked up. Yeah, you're fucked up. Heard. Okay. So anyway, carry on. I mean that that's that's the thing. That's the whole thing. I'm not blaming you for doing what you did. What I'm telling you is that you're fucked up. Because if you would have sat across from the table from someone like me, now. I would have told you you were a piece of shit. I would have told you, how dare you put that shit in front of my face? How dare you try to disrespect me like that? But some other fuck that's younger than me, that hasn't been through what I've been through, or learned what I've learned, would be like, this is great. I'm all, If I could sell 20 breads a day, this is a great thing. And this is why our failure rate within the first year is 85%. It's because uh, we need to, to complement our craft with some, some business. A lot of business. Yeah. Chefs, they're, I think we're a, a beautiful group of passionate, fucked up people that fail to realize if you don't treat the business like a business, yeah. you will not have a job and that thing you're very passionate about will, will not exist. Yeah. And I think that's, that's, I blame us for that. That is our thing. We mm. fucked up there, right? 
we should be more knowledgeable when we step to that table too, but also them on the other side. Like, why why do we have to do all the things? We don't have to do all the things, man. We do a lot of things. We do a lot of things that placate the this kind of like persona or thing that it takes for chefs and restaurants to be successful. Not all of them. It's just our fucking job, dude. That's I don't. I don't want. Think you want to be. You want to be the chef owner of a restaurant. You got to learn the fucking business. Learn the business. That's right. You don't have to play the game. They're totally different. What's the game? Oh, the game. The restaurant game is huge. So what's the restaurant game? The restaurant game is huge. There's so many layers to it, right? You have to know the business. Then you have to know the restaurant business. Then you have to know the lease business and the real estate business. Then you have to know the social media business. Then you need to know the influencer business. Then you need to know the service business. There's a lot of layers to the the game. And that's what I mean. That You call it the game. I just call it. That's our job. Yeah. No, I don't. I, I think there's layers there that aren't our job. I think our job to an extent is running a business, serving great food, and having great hospitality. All part, the other things. Part of business is, you know, your your financial obligations, of the lease, right? I mean, you, you don't have to be a master at all of it, mm. but you at least got to be able to speak the language and know who to, who to bring on your side to advocate for you for the lease, for the finance, for this marketing deal that you're about to sign with, uh, I don't know. Um, something national, right? Like, that's our job, man. Yeah, I, I mean, it's just we don't learn that when you're working the line somewhere or when you're working at some bakery out in Europe. Ain't no one talking about, right, a lease negotiation <laughs> or or uh, or HR. <laughs> oh, HR. That's a good one. Let's, let's not go there. <laughs> That's that's a good one. But I'm serious. Like when I was learning how to bake sourdough bread in Sweden, right? No one was talking about uh, uh, human resources and and FMLA and ADA and OSHA and all these compliance agencies that you are expected to know and uphold the moment you open a business because that's your job. I don't know, man. I think that's just part of the job. It's just, it's not the pretty part. The pretty part is the creativity, the R&D, the bringing people in and giving them service and having them come and tell you, hey, what a wonderful time I had. That's like, that's the satisfying part of the job. But the OSHA, the ADA, the FMLA, right? The, The food safety, the serve safe, the this, the that, all these compliance agencies, that's also part of the job. It's just the administrative part that's not sexy but if you don't do it well you're fucked i mean how many and this is the time not to name names but how many uh chefs do we see locally regionally nationally getting stung for not being up to date on their fmla on their tips on their overtime on their right yeah shit happens all the time and i mean we can't be pointing fingers at someone saying like ah that's fucked up no this these laws have been put into action for a reason to protect people, and we just don't have a clue what they are because we're craftsmen. Yeah, I mean, getting people that are good in your corner that support you are important. Hell and yeah. it's like the it's not the sexy names. It's like a lawyer that is actually like a good lawyer. That's not just trying to like bill you a thousand bucks an hour. It's that insurance person that's actually like cares about you saving that extra. 300, 450 grand. I got a great insurance guy if you need one. I have a great one too. Doesn't everyone have a great insurance guy? 
I've, I've actually, you. very rarely have I been like, man, insurance. my insurance guy fucking sucks. That's a good hey, one. David, if you're listening, I just shouted you out, dude. Yeah. Much love. This one's for Andy. Yeah. Andy, um, Dave. So it's those things, right? That at the beginning, you wouldn't think like, I need a good insurance person. I need a good HR person. I need a good, I need someone to help me control my books that keeps me up to date every day. All those things. You're just thinking about like a prep list, right? A par list. Opening, closing, spreadsheets, shit like that. So what's the lesson? I mean, how do you learn that shit? Either you take a partner. You fail. I don't know. I failed so much. I don't know how to tell people like, how did you learn? I was like, I fucked up. That's how I learned. I fucked up a bunch of shit. I fucked up a bunch of shit. I made a bunch. I, I made bad friends, right? Mm-hmm. I learned quickly that those bad friends were trash uh, and that they didn't give a fuck about me or care about the, the name, this name, this place, these walls. I don't care. Um, and I think to an extent that this is, you know, the scowl you talked about earlier. Yeah. This is what creates that. You get that hardened by the, by the callous. Job. Yeah. I tell people all the time, like I, I feel callous saying this and I feel callous doing this, but I have to do this for the health of the greater good, which is the business. Right. So, I mean, in a lot of ways, you're not acting that different from the landlord that's running their business. No, no, I am. I am, for sure. Because there's ethics and morality in the shit that I do. For them, it's a bottom line thing. If I ran this restaurant like 100% bottom line driven, oh man, it would be astronomically different. How, Food, how so? Oh man, food, the product, service. Tell everything. me, give me an idea of how the food would be different. Well, it would, first of all, it would come f- like your fish would come frozen in a box. As opposed to your fish? Right, that comes fresh daily. Right. Your produce would be sourced uh, even when it is avocado season. You would get avocados from Mexico. which There's nothing wrong with them, but they also um, they're not local. So you can't tout that locally driven, which when you do buy local product, you are feeding into your local economy that helps you and everyone else around you even more. Mm hmm. Just small examples like that. Right. You know, like you would probably have tuna tartare on your menu with wasabi and some way, shape or form. Like, you know, it would just, there would be salmon and it would be frozen and pre-portioned. Do you have to have tuna tartare in your menu? Is that a, is that a mandate? I always is feel like. local I, or is that Florida? No, I feel like that's like. Maybe in it's every, federal In every law. bad restaurant, there's like, there's always the, the tuna tartare with soy sauce. It's always there in every bad restaurant around the country. I just thought it was federally mandated. It's not federally mandated. Actually, Trump hasn't put that into action yet. But uh, he okay. may. I was going to say, that's that's kind of a little overreach. Maybe the Democrats <laughs> have gone a little too crazy on I don't know. On uh, big government with that one. I don't know. I don't necessarily think we have to have tuna tartare in every menu. But we may we may start forcing people to have Bronzino whole on menus at this point. <laughs> that was another one of them, huh? Yeah. Oh, Bronzino. What's up with the Bronzino lobby? Yeah, we need to how we did, need to lobby against Bronzino around the country. How did that happen, though? Did, but it's does anyone cheap, know? Right? Oh, it's just cheap. It's cheap. There it is. And it's frozen, so you keep it in the freezer. It's cheap and it's frozen. Let me just take out three. Next today. time, uh, y'all. Well, anyone listening to this is not, you know. We have twenty-two listeners a week. Oh, okay. So the twenty-two of y'all, I doubt y'all are like common restaurant. Uh, they may be. Customers. No, they may be. no. I'm thinking of like, you know, my mom's neighbor who orders Bronzino. <laughs> you know what I mean? I just wanted her to know, you know, the story on Bronzino. Anyway, well, you know what, man? I just think we need to be better educated. And I think that's a tough, a tough way to learn. Uh, and 
maybe you know uh, you, you step out of the kitchen for a few years and you, you GM, right? You, you go up front. You learn a little bit about HR, and you learn a little bit about finance and bottom line. You learn a little bit about OSHA and ADA and and these other compliance things that are important beyond just you know is your food fucking awesome, which is is important, of course. Yeah. But uh, if you only focus on being the most legit motherfucker in town, I, you may not necessarily be in business in two years. Well, there, I, I don't remember who wrote this article, but it came out maybe a year and a half ago and talked about how many great restaurants had these great reviews and even one stars in that first like 24 months and then closed by year three. Yeah. It's because of all the other things. It's like all the things. Everything that we've mentioned. You have to be aware of all the things. How to run payroll. What is payroll? How like how to understand the budget. How to build the budget. What does the budget mean to you? I know that for me during the quarantine time, like all I could think about was budget. How do we fix whatever the fuck is going to happen on the other side? How do we fix this budget to fix to deal with this? Mm. And that's... I mean, I spend hours just like looking at like a spreadsheet, like how am I going to make this fucking work? Yeah. You know. Did you figure it out? Yeah. I mean, we're here. We're still open. So that's good. I mean, at least one of us, one of ours is still open. Uh Uh-huh. You know, hopefully the other one opens sooner than later. But when that, when that reopened, the budget thing didn't work. Of course. Yeah. Well, whose budget thing worked (laughs) when COVID hit? I mean, well, I'm talking about when we reopened. Uh Uh-huh. The other restaurant, the budget that we built didn't make sense. It didn't work. So it was like, all right, so now we need to start from scratch again. Even though we sat there for five months and looked at it from every angle, it was still a failure. So what about customer service? Did, did you ever spend any time in customer service? I started or? there. You started up front? Yeah, when I was a kid, like young. Serving? Well, I started as... Um, Norman Brothers. You know Norman Brothers? Yo, chocolate milkshake. Strawberry Norman milkshake. Brother. Yeah. No, I would get the chocolate, dude. I was building sandwiches, and I was working at the butcher shop desk. I was cutting cheese. Dude, you were out in uh, Kendall. It was not Kendall. I beg your pardon. <laughs> not like, that's not, that's like the the the, the break line between Kendall and Westchester, I believe. No, that's, that is bona fide, unincorporated Miami-Dade County, Kendall, dude. So 87, so 87th and Sunset is Kendall? Dude, that's so, that's like deep, know. deep state. 15 blocks from actual Kendall Drive. So you're 15 blocks Nick, from... there you go. Where have you been this Kendall. whole time with I've those quips? You've been... He's, been, he's actually been in Kendall. We need more of that. We need to know we how many more... blocks away we are from Kendall Drive at all times. That's the first time anyone's ever said we need more Nick. That's... Really? Oh, man. You know, there's been... You're not reading the reviews. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Some someone called this Nick. What was it? Uh, Pancom Podcast, Nick and Company. Yeah, that was good. I liked it. So uh, you were so you were building sandwiches at North. Yeah, for sure, man. Working like North the prep Brothers. food yeah, station. Man. But uh, so you're dealing with customers. I actually I also worked at an Applebee's. Okay. For years. Okay. In college. So what's your what's your customer service philosophy? Uh, philosophy wise. Philosophy. Um, you know, I want the our goal at Ariette, our mission statement here is I want to provide an experience that only Miami can provide. And what is that? This dining experience, the music, the feel, the vibe, the service, you know, uh, the one thing I tell 
our servers all the time is to is maximum hospitality will always win. Mm. So you can upset me and you can upset other people, but you need to come and ask all the questions about all the things that they want. Sometimes I won't do it. That's fine. But at the same time, ask. Be open to people have weird requests all the time. So yeah. You like just got, for instance, <laughs> indulge us. Oh, man. I don't know. Like the, the simplest things for me are, are a little crazy. Like why would you get our short rib with French fries? Because it's just like heavy on top of heavy. It doesn't make any sense to me. Like, do you say that? Yeah, so I put it on a different – I do it, but I'll put it on a different plate just because it makes me feel better. Like I'll be able to sleep at night. So <laughs> it's like small things like that. It's like, man, I don't know how you – and then uh, – Tell me more, please. No, I don't know. I think those are like the most extreme ones. The um, short ribs and french fries? I, there's probably other ones, but I can't really think of them now. It's, you know – Can I can I share my philosophy of customer service? Sure. I would love to hear it. The customer is always wrong. Well, I mean, that's one way to definitely think about it. No, I'm I'm pretty sure about it by now. The customer is always wrong. Elaborate on the customer is always wrong. The cu- I th- I think the customer is almost always wrong. Of course, the wrong is always wrong, mm-hmm. but it doesn't really matter whether they're wrong or right because that's not that's not our job, right? Mm-hmm. Our job is not to prove them right or wrong or to tell them that they're wrong. It's to give them a, a great experience, but. In my experience, the customer is almost always wrong because they're misinformed constantly about food, nutrition, industry, everything. Like they're, they're, and they don't know our industry. They've never worked in our industry. They've never been behind uh, the expo line, on the line. They don't understand how it works. Of course, they're, they're often wrong. But it, it just doesn't matter whether they're wrong or right. And I feel like a lot of people feel like it's their duty to prove them no, dude, you're wrong. But that that's not our job. We're not judges and we're not jurors and we're not lawyers, right? We're we're servers, we're in the hospitality. Mm. But boy, are they wrong often. <laughs> Most of the time, I would say. What's the the uh please can you tell me one instance when the customer is always wrong? Cuz I know like bread is like a thing, right? Uh-huh. Cuz people that aren't aren't uh, exposed to really good bread, yeah. Only are exposed to one kind of bread, which is you know grocery store bread. Sure, I mean people just don't know. I mean, when are you taught anything really about bread in America? Not not often. I mean, now yeah. I guess we're getting because in the pandemic people are getting into home baking and they're actually getting some pretty hardcore sourdough bread, which is cool. But you know, a lot of people come in here confusing, like, oh, I want whole wheat, and I'm like, no, you don't. You want multigrain, and I and I I tell them like. I show them, like, this is multigrain and this is whole wheat. And like, ah, oh, yeah, I'll have the multigrain. Mm-hmm. They, they just, they don't know. And, and I, don't, I don't need them to know, right? It's my job to educate them and it's my job to guide them on the good experience. So uh, I think knowing that they don't know actually helps, helps us in, in knowing that it's, it's our duty and our responsibility to guide them and to, to not focus on whether they're right or wrong, mm. right? It, yeah, I think they're often wrong, but it, it, it doesn't matter. Yeah, I think the guide is a good word. I think educate the guest is a bad word. Because mm. anytime someone feels like, I need to educate you. Yeah, well, let me, let me explain you yeah, how it is. Let me explain <laughs> this to you. It always ends poorly. You know, yeah. like help guide them through an experience. Absolutely. 
No one wants to be patronized and condescended and like to be pointed out that you don't know. Right. Who wants to be pointed out that you don't know? No, that's that's not my job is to make you feel bad. It's to give you a great experience. And and if you haven't gotten a great experience in our place, then we failed. Eight years you've been doing this. Mm. What have you seen out of the Miami food community over the last eight years? It's a lot of growth in the last eight years. It's tough. I don't know. I don't I don't have a lot of perspective. I feel like uh, Miami is trying Miami's trying to create its identity. Um, but uh, I think we need to really be fair about Miami. It's still a very young city. And I know we're often compared to the big, you know, uh, premium cities like New York and L.A. and Chicago. But we're, we're not New York, L.A. and Chicago. We've, we've really only been around as like a metropolitan city for, I don't know, 30, 40 years. Yeah, 40 years. Yeah. And that's nothing mm-hmm. compared to the establishment of Chicago and New York and L.A. And so if you consider ourselves like a young city, I think we're doing great. I just, I, I keep stressing, and I feel like a broken record, we need more local independent food culture. Mm-hmm. And you, you, you pressed on it earlier. Like you were saying how it gripes you how all this money comes from out of state. Well, that will always happen because that's Miami. Miami will always be Miami. But while Miami is being Miami, the counterculture needs to continue to be strong and it needs to continue to support local independent because if we don't grow things from our own soil and nourish them and 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 have pride for them well then we're just going to be importing culture from new york and, and la and paris and and spain or everywhere right and that's not how we create culture in a new city mm-hmm. so uh I, I don't know, man. Maybe I'm preaching to the choir with you, but no. I mean, I'm everything. I'm, 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 I'm high I on my soapbox right now. A hundred percent. Like I, I couldn't agree more. I feel, um, you know, those cities that you you named, they're amazing in their own right. Totally, they're awesome. They've been around for three times as long as we've been we've been around. The culture, the food culture, that at grows, least, grows, at least, like from other countries and that they've been there for years and the cultures you know you have butcher shops that have been around for generations and so on and so forth miami you know 40 years ago was a retirement community yeah you know and then um uh, everything changed yeah. from one second to the next and that's why supporting each other is the most important thing that we can do and that's why supporting the community within the community is very important too so what do we do, man? How do we do it? How do we... We do it right now. We're doing it right now. Oh, cool. We are doing it right now. <laughs> we're, we're, we're talking to each other about, you know, what it is that makes Zach do what he does and why we do what we do and uh, how we continue to further that conversation and how we continue to keep uh, the community moving forward, especially this year, that it's like everything in the whole world has just been thwarted and stopped. Yeah, but I feel like this is the year that of you opportunity. Like, yeah, I mean, listen, all the, the there's a lot of guys. They're, you know, they out. They're out. They, yeah. they left. They left. They're they're they spent five hundred, one million, one point five on their fancy build out, and they dipped out right mm-hmm. on their expansion plans. And now that shit's sitting there. Now's the time to cash in on that and take that turnkey, and to convince the landlord, hey, you need me right now, and let's let's make a deal and to negotiate a good lease. What's a good lease? 
Yeah, I mean, minimum 10 years. A minimum 10 years is a good lease for you. I'll tell you what a good lease for me is. One where you can buy the fucking building and control your own destiny. I mean, owning the dirt is always the long-term goal. Man, that's I'm laser-focused on that. I mean, that's then you have money forever if you do that. Or, or it's just that building ain't moving. Right. Like, I don't own my building right now, right? Mm-hmm. But all my energy is going to go towards getting... I mean, actually, getting a loan is not an issue because uh, people like the SBA, the Small Business Association, mm-hmm. will give you a loan for 30 years if you're going to buy a building because it's safe for them. Right. Man, I, I just want to control my own destiny. Agreed. I don't I want to have to worry every 10 years about moving. Fair market value. Yeah, and it, I just wanted to stay there. Yeah, I mean, the the opportunity to buy the dirt is, it's big. And not everyone at the beginning sees that, uh, sees the value in that, right? They're like, why would we want to own this? I mean, I think the more they sit in there and they work in there and they understand, like, the property, they understand why they should own it. Like... Well, moving's a bitch. How about that? Well, but just the reason why I say 10-year lease is because I hear so much now by these super ethical uh, landlords, because they're great, is like pushing the two-year leases and the two-year pop-ups. No, nah, two, two years is bullshit. You can't, do well, because it. You all can't they're amortize doing, your investment over two years. All they're trying to do is reset the market in three years from now from what it, what it was a year ago. And that's what they're going to do. But you should be smart enough to say, no, man. I want a five-year with a five-year option. I am, and you are. There's other people that want to live their dream, and they don't see that. They can't see past that romanticized, you know, Bronzino in front of their fucking face. Or the romanticized 20 loaves of bread a day. They can't see past that, you know? So... They're like, yeah, fuck it. I just want to get this shit going. I don't want to work for the man anymore, whoever the fuck it is they work for. And they just want to. Oh, go you're all, but you're always working for someone. I think people think like the owners. Oh, they're free, man. Nah. <laughs> That's good. No, dude, the owner I think is is such a slave either to their own like relentless drive mm. and their own relentless dissatisfaction, or to the community, and and it's it's nonstop. It's nonstop. I mean, everyone's got a boss. Everyone. I think the idea of the owner being this person that lives very carefree is weird. I've never like seen that. Kind well, of you were you were a line cook looking at the fucking owner sitting there. I'm like, oh fuck this guy. Doesn't, yeah, he my... doesn't do shit. I I run his place, and he just comes in here and collects the checks, and you know drives his. His Bugatti or whatever. I didn't I, you have that moment? I didn't. I mean, I was fortunate that I, I always worked for small independent restaurants. This was after the Apple that didn't times. drive Bugattis. That didn't drive Bugattis. You know, like uh, the they Norman. drove they drove Sobs. <laughs> oh man, should we tell everyone about your? Uh, I'd love to talk about your classic car. Yeah, I really wish you had at least a keyboard that did sound effects. You know, like come on, you know. <laughs> You know that, dude. You no, know, like I feel like it's really missing. Ah, you know the the like the, all the buttons. I think we should actually get that keyboard and just Zach should do yeah. all the sounds. Hey, man, yeah. guys, I would gladly sit in this corner or that corner. It really doesn't matter. Whichever actually, where corner is not red. And I'll just I'll do like whenever there's a little bit of it a break, like a three second pause. I'll do a DJ DJ. Come on, you know. 
you know the did you guys have no i can't I, well, it just I, keeps it moving yeah i mean it really it it lightens up the mood i think uh yeah i mean it's well that's it I've always been a proponent for this. I like that do, Zach's Do we need the key? I mean, he's doing a hell of a job without a keyboard. Well, no, I'm saying, but I, I think if we get a keyboard just to do Zach's noises. Oh, record Zach. Record Zach's yeah, noises. Wait a minute, guys. Zach. These aren't noises. This is from a keyboard, you know? No, like, what I'm saying, but if you were right. the keyboard. We like, program you, a keyboard. You were to, we were to record your ah, sounds I, okay. and then I put would, them. I think I'd have more fun just sitting over there with the keyboard, though. You know what? Like, we can we can workshop this later. Yeah, I think it may be something that we have to uh, circle back on. Let's talk about... We'll sidebar it. Let's L- listen up, Gahachina. We need some keyboard budget. Yeah, we need a budget. I want to talk about... Uh, I'm going to take over this interview for a minute. Perfect. Let's talk about what kind of car do you drive? Okay. I want to know... Like, a, I know what radio you listen to. I want to know now what kind of car do you do? What kind of car are you? That's a trick question because I currently drive something, but it's not mine. So oh, what, what I didn't say what I kind own? of car do you own. No, that's okay, because I drive an Audi right now. It's like one of those little mini sedan things, the little... Like an A4? I, I don't know. It's the one that's like a hybrid SUV thing. You are a liberal, aren't you? <laughs> it's a rental. I feel Take like it easy. It's a rental. It's Take, a it rental. Easy. Take it easy. Take it easy. See, I'm being attacked here for my for the Audi. I don't even like. It's yeah. not. It's the, it's the hybrid. It's the hybrid socialist over here. Wow, I'm a socialist too. Oh, I'm so into this right now. Yeah. Well, what was it you were describing earlier that you thought like everyone should have this? Everyone should have that. I don't know. You just sound like Bernie Sanders for a moment. Wow, that is probably the most disrespectful thing anyone's ever said to me. I'm 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 sorry. I mean, I yeah. know it's our second date, but this is why we date, and we yeah. don't just get you know hitched right away. Well, socialism isn't really my bag, okay. but uh, which is why I was surprised. But ethics and morality okay. is my bag. Okay, all right. And I think more that of like a Socratic kind of guy. Well, I mean, I think that being good to human beings is uh, part of the thing. Yeah, it's one of the core values of, of Stoicism. So, um, if you were to run your business as a good, wholehearted, and caring person not trying to fuck over your fellow human, then I don't find that socialistic at all. I find that just being a good person. That's great, man. That's what I'm saying. So if I were to uh, compare a landlord to someone that doesn't have any ethics, I'm not far without my reach because they don't. Mm. More often than not, I'd say 70% of the time, they don't care about you and me. And when I, the way I run my business, my vendors, my employees, my people... I care about them. That doesn't make I, me a socialist. I, I, that makes me a good person. I just wish we could have some landlords call in right now. Yeah, I know. I mean, actually, to be honest, two out of my Nick. three landlords are good people. Ah, so that's not 70% bad. That's Oh, but I'm, I'm, I'm definitely in the minority. Two-thirds is, what's the percentage? Oh, 66. That? 66% good. Yeah, I'm in the minority, though. Where are you feel, getting your statistics from? From uh, I guess from all the restaurant people that I deal with on a daily basis. Mm. Or, but you know what? It also took me through the Barlington Group to get fucked over and raked over for a whole year mm. uh, on a lease in order for me to find a good landlord. So I guess if you want to look at that way, yeah, that was right. That was the Barlington Group. Uh, that's the guys who own Ball and Chain and all those places. Bill, Bill Fuller and Martin Pinella, which are probably... Two of the biggest pieces of dirt that you'll find. Do you have their phone number as well? I do. I do have their phone you want, number. Do you as want well. to let everyone know their phone number? No, no, I, I don't. I don't. Security? It's just if, if we want to call out names and we want to be like very honest, then we could say that 
those people who who own, I'd say, 70% of my neighborhood where I grew up are trash. Got it. And those are the kind of landlords, a lot of the trash landlords that Miami has. So if you want to look at like the good ones, there's good ones too. There's ones that want to work with you and that want to see you succeed. And those are actually good people. Are you connected with good ones now? Uh, yeah, two of them are good people. How'd you find them? Luck. They found you? Yeah. I mean, the second one found me. Uh, the third one is still, the jury is still out. I guess we'll see. But the fourth one, the deal just fell through and it didn't work out. And that's because the lease that was given to us was 95% landlord heavy because they thought we were fucking morons and we couldn't read. Uh, so, and you didn't, you, you didn't accept it? Of course not. I told them to go fuck themselves. Did you actually? Yeah. Actually, Bill Fuller and Martin Pinella, I told them that they could take their lease. Actually, I told them I was going to take their lease and I was going to wipe my ass with it. Did you say that in an email or text? No, I said that to their face. Damn, dude, you're hardcore. I don't think I could ever say that to someone to their face. I think you could. I don't know. That feels so dramatic. Mm. I'll tell you what you could do with your lease. You could wipe your ass with this lease. And then just mic drop it and exit. Did you just walk out of the room then? I did. Fuck. That's hardcore. I couldn't do that. Well, I mean, you know. I could I'd maybe say in an email, in like a strongly worded letter, and insinuate like you could wipe it with your ass. But I wouldn't actually say like you could wipe this with your ass. I think if you were pressed enough, you would say I would. I mean, you've referred poop several times. Well, she was pooping right there. That's one, but then you also refu- referred to pooping outside of the toilet. I feel great after my poop. That's what I'm saying. So I think that you could definitely tell someone to wipe their ass. Wipe. You would wipe your ass with their lease. Oof. Gosh, that would... I feel like you get hemorrhoids from that. I feel like it would get the point across very well, though. I'm just saying, like, that's bold, dude. I mean... Maybe you're a bold dude. Now, can we get back to what kind of car you actually own? Not what rental hybrid you're driving. I have a 1961 Cadillac Series 62. Damn. What color? White. And it's a hard top? It's a two-door hard top um, with uh, black and white interior. That's custom? No, it came. This is all original. Original black and white? Everything is original. Power windows, power locks. 1962 with power windows and power locks. 1961, Series 62. Series 62 was a Cadillac that ran from 1954 to 1964. Okay. That was the model. Yeah. It was along with like the El Dorados and DeVilles and, you know, then they had some other stuff that was smaller market, but. Is it in the shop right now? It is. How long has it been in the shop? Seven months. It's been in the shop for seven okay. months. <laughs> it's very like. What the hell is it doing in the shop? Well, I bought it. I bought it from a guy that it was just running and driving. Yeah. But it wasn't like, it had no AC, it had yeah. no speakers, it had no, everything was original. It had never been like fixed yeah so they basically just maintain it so it would move yeah but like if you need to drive it like you know if you add things to it like we added stereo like added, if you want to do a loser lap if you want it around coconut I'll, grove we're probably gonna do lots of loser laps in this car there's a good chance then the generator would just start to smoke which was not good there was no fan shroud and it was hot, hot there was no fuck. ac yeah car came from chicago came from outside of Chicago, so there was no AC at all. So it needed AC. It was just like a lot of... But how sexy is that car? Oh, I mean, it's been a big point of happiness for the whole year. 
And the fact that it's been in the shop the majority of the year, it's still seven months of the seven seven months. (laughs) Those five months, man. The seven. Well, no, I mean the seven months. I've had it for nine months. Seven months. Right. Yeah. Have been. It's fine. At least I know I have it, and so my dream car is there. So I bought it for like a good deal, but then you know you had to fix it. Yeah. Tell me about your classic car. Yeah. So I, I also like classic cars, but I'm more of a Swedish automotive kind of guy i know i found a picture of you with your uh with your classic car did you really i did i did yeah i'm I'm a i'm a sob guy (laughs) i love that yeah yeah man those cars are so sexy (laughs) i just i can't do you know do you know they are man carlos is telling telling me how he knows sob people and how they're such sob people for life too you know you've been a sob guy for life bro for life, bro. For right? life. You know what I'm For life, bro. Like yeah, I'm, I'm a super sob guy. Not for nothing. I, I love like a my sob guy. <laughs> but did you have a sob like when you were younger too? No, no, no. I had my uh, my mom's old Honda Accord that I put two 12-inch uh, Rockford Phosphate subs in the trunk with a 400 by 2 amp. And I blasted Nelly out of it. Now's the time where you come in. I'm going down, down, baby. Oh, I really think this keyboard should exist. It's a Zach keyboard. We have the audio. But yeah, you, also, you have, also have a boat. Yeah, but I got a, I got a boat. I'm uh, not a boat. I got a sailboat. There it is. I don't want to be confused for a power boat. I'm not a power boat kind of guy. I'm more of a sailboat. But <laughs> the two, my two favorite moments from that entire dinner was: you have a boat, yeah, I have a boat. I have a sailboat. It's a sailboat. And dude. then Jose turns to him and says, "Of course you have a sailboat." Of course, he said that with such with such ease. Like his eyes were so rolled back in his head that yeah, I thought they were going to get stuck back. And there. what's your sailboat's name? Uh, her name is Geronimo's Cadillac, <laughs> which I think is confusing for a lot of people. First of all, I want to be clear that 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 was the name that I came with. Oh yeah, yeah. I didn't name her Geronimo's Cadillac, although I do love that name. If Geronimo had a Cadillac, it would be this J twenty four sailboat. My uh, boat came named the Mona Lisa too. Oh, you got a boat too? Yeah, not a, a, not a sailboat. sailboat. No, you're no. a powerboat kind yeah, of guy. Yeah, powerboat. Yeah, yeah, you would. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, definitely. So you take it out, you go to the key, and you drink like white claws with your buds. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> what the fuck? I don't know if I've actually ever had a white claw. No? No. I've seen I've seen lots of white claw being consumed, but I, I don't even really know uh, what the attraction is. I think it's low calorie. Mike. Is that what it is? It's yeah. It's low calorie and it's refreshing. You can pound seventeen in a day. Pound seventeen. You could pound seventeen, dude. You not be falling off, you know, you still be coherent, you know? I wow. mean it's low ABV. It's like water. Carlos is really throwing some serious. Can someone give Carlos a mic, please? White, white claw, you can pound. It's not just white claw. Actually, I was just I was just explained that there are some local breweries that are making loca. I saw that. You know what I'm saying? I actually someone was after service the other day, and I was hanging out with everyone, and they just handed me this thing. I'm like, Who was that? The tank? I don't remember. Maybe tank. Yeah, it was called loca. Yeah, I think it's them. It was a low calorie seltzer thing, and I'm like, what is this? 
it's, it's the future, dude. It's like it's like TikTok or something, you know? TikTok is now, this is the third episode that TikTok is. you have a TikTok? No, no I don't have a TikTok. Well, I don't know. I'm not sure. I'm just trying to relate. By the well, way, I just want to note uh, for purposes of teasing future content that uh, John Falco has told me he would like to do one of our blind tasting videos, but with hard seltzer. Oh, man, this is good. How did that? How do you know that? That's from the past, or you just got a text now? No, no, no. This is from the past. <laughs> from the past? This is from sometime. Sure sometime before now. It actually hasn't even happened yet. Yeah, well, it's from the past for the future. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I got a boat. I, you know why I got a boat, a sailboat? I had this dream of. Well, first of all, I used to live on a boat. Oh yeah. Yeah, I always like a houseboat. No, just oh, a, a sailboat. Just a boat. And you know, you ever drive down, let's say, like the Venetian, and you see all these sailboats just kind of, not docked, but just hanging yeah, out sitting there. there. Yeah, so they don't pay dock fees. Fucking pirates. Yeah. Well, I always had this this dream of living on one of those boats, and I of did it. You did. Of course, I did. Thank you. <laughs> and, and it turns out it's not as romantic as you think. Oh, I I wouldn't imagine that romantic at all. So, like, I, you know, I would get to work. I I would leave for work very early in the morning. It was like 4 or 5 in the morning. And I would wake up. And then I had, I had you have to take your little dinghy over to the bridge, right? So it's 4 in the morning. It's dark as hell. And for some reason, it's really wavy. And I only have one row. And I'm just, I'm, I'm going like this. I'm doing the motions of rowing. And I'm not moving anywhere because the wind is going against me. And then I'm sweating and I'm getting to work and it's just a mess. And then all day long I'm sitting and I'm just rocking and I've got like, uh, I didn't realize this was a thing. Like you can get like seasicknesses when you're on the land because all night long I was rocking like this. And then when I'm on land, I'm still rocking. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, uh, it just turned out to not be as romantic as I thought it was, which is kind of the story of my life. When was, when was that? Not that long ago. <laughs> You think like I'm talking about some story of like oh when I was younger? No, it was it was a few years ago, like 2018. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Yep. All right. It was awful, uh, but it was on. You know, I have all these romantic ideas of life, uh, and it's it's really such a pattern. I, I really got to work on that. Uh, uh, but I mean, you learn, and you you know now you're not going to live on a fucking boat again. No, now I, I so now. I still want to learn the craft of, of sailing, and I, I've been working with my buddy Nick on on learning. And Nick, and, uh, not your Nick. Oh, not this beer. You're not a sailboat guy. No, no. No. What kind of what kind of guy are you, Nick? Pick up that mic. I want to hear more from you, dude. What kind of car? What kind of car guy are you? Whether fantasy or reality? Uh, oh, yeah. Tell him about your car. I did have. I, I oh, at one time uh, had a 1974 uh, Mercedes 450 SL. Okay. Those are sexy. Yeah. That, that's oh. a, a Richard Gere in American Geolo. Yes, that's, that's dude. Car. Okay. Uh, but uh, it was uh, there was a problem with it where it was burning oil. And so uh. Carlos remembers this. Every time I was, I was at a red light, I and everyone else at the intersection was in a cloud of black smoke. Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, so it was much sexier when it wasn't for stopped. The yeah, when it was driving, it would look like a, and then stopped. It looked super cool, and then it would disappear. It was like a Batman car. That's mm. cool. Yeah. So, well, that's the kind of guy I, I am. I hope you enjoyed it because you ruined the environment. Kind of yeah. I but if you, had a, if you had a boat, what kind of boat would you have? It's a great question. Yeah. Do I live in Miami in this hypothetical, or... I like pontoon boats, but they're not practical here. 
I like yeah, to I mean, just like. Need, I think this is, like if we're gonna be a fantasy, you can just like go all the way, dude. You don't have to be. So it could practical. be a big pontoon boat. I just I'm just not interested in moving that much. If I'm on the water, I don't need all that excitement right? and like yeah, the task little... of piloting the boat around. I just want to fucking go out on the water and Actually, like, be there. As much as I, I love my boat, it stresses me out. What what part of it stresses you out? There's other people on there. I want to. You got to keep them safe. Ah, you feel ah. So this is kind of like a theme of your life, right? The pressure. Is it? Yeah. I don't think so. Let's talk more about this. Tell me. Tell me. <laughs> Tell me. <laughs> no, it's, you're, you're, have you always been a, a leader? Like when you were younger, you were, you were leading? Well, I mean, I, I think um, you play sports your whole life. It's not really being a leader. It's part of a team. Yeah, but some, some people on the team are, are the leader, right? Oh, I like, know, but not always. When you're younger, you got to fall in line. And when you're older, you got to be a leader. Is that how it is, huh? Sports? I mean... You know, it depends. Like when you're a freshman and you 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 know you ride the pine. You know, I'm not like, familiar with that expression. Means when you uh, when you when you don't play and you're on the bench. Ah, uh, ride the pine. Ride the pine. Of course. See, I'm a I'm a Jewish guy from the suburbs. <laughs> <laughs> we didn't ride the pine. <laughs> you just gotta follow someone else's lead. And now you're the leader. You're comfortable in that position. You feel like people are looking up to you, watching you. You know, I think you have to be a certain way to be a leader. I think you have to be who you are. Some people aren't built to be leaders. Some mm. people are. Some people need to grow into leadership. It's not necessarily like a learned trait. You can learn aspects of leadership, but some people just it's not for them. I don't know if it's for me or not. I just I'm in the role that I'm at. I'm at so. Yeah, but did you did you seek that role, or did it just happen? I mean, you know, when you want to open up a company, it's not like you seek it, but that's your goal. But not everyone wants to open a company, do they? Oh, I know. I mean, that's um, interesting perspective because everyone wants to be the boss of the kitchen or whatever, but not everyone wants to make all the difficult decisions. Yeah. Everyone wants, I mean, I don't really know how it is in like bakery terms. It's It's all the same. Is there like a head baker and like a... Sure, there's a hi- there's always a hierarchy in every structure. So what's the structure in like a bakery? In our bakery? How about a traditional as opposed to yours? I mean, there's typically a lead baker. So right? that would be like executive chef? I mean, if you wanted to compare it, sure. I don't know if the, the pay rate is necessarily the same. Depends on the on the on the scale, but mm-hmm. sure. Your your lead baker and then you'd have your sue, right? Right. Or I don't know, do you have a CDC as well? CDC for me is the person right underneath me, so the person who runs the kitchen. Right, and then you have your suit, right? Mm-hmm. And then we do it differently. We we go in a in a, a level of we have directors, which are our top brass, let's say, and then manager levels, and then team leader levels, and then our senior team, and then entry level. Mm-hmm. So we've got our strata, let's say, and and. But a lot of our people that are, let's say, our directors, they were once team members. Right. And they just climbed their way up and they've got the right attitude and they've, they've either got the talent or they've learned the talent or they've just got such a damn good attitude. It doesn't matter. Mm. Uh, but uh, I, I think it's every, every uh, system has their hierarchy and their structure. And those who, who get it will climb up it. And those who resist it, I think, will have trouble with the structure. Mm. Things need to have structure. 
me, I'm a big fan of structure. I, I, I used to, I used to uh, work at a summer camp. This is, it's a wild story. And, and I was a, uh, I wasn't a counselor, but I was, was a teacher. I used to teach the organic farming section of it. And my only rule was, you can do whatever you want. That was the only rule. But everything you do has a consequence, right? So that's the rule. You can do whatever you want, but anything you do has a consequence. And I had to watch for this one cabin one night because their counselors were going out and getting drunk or something. And so I sat in the in the quiet dark of the room and I said, listen, guys, it's time to go to bed. You can do whatever you want, but just remember everything you do has consequences. And I just sat there in the dark and they just kind of went nuts contemplating this reality, which is everyone's reality, right? Everyone can do whatever they want. Like you can go and shoot someone in the street, but there's going to be consequences. You can do it, right? They were half the cabin was like, oh, I want to go cabin hopping and go talk to the girls and the other cabin like no i want to go to sleep and this this half is like oh so so zach we can really go and cabin hop like you can do whatever you want there's just going to be consequences your consequences and after a while one of the kids it was like hours like of screaming it's like zach we need rules and i'm just like yeah we need structure the poor kids they just went nuts without structure mm. i think everyone needs structure we all at, at every age it's important we it, it's comfortable within that structure without it, it's chaos mm. so i think the leader i mean your role is to provide structure uh and it, it can't be so oppressive of course like what what you hear about these terrible stories of the amazon you know warehouses where they're like tracked to the second i actually haven't heard those stories Oh, I've heard those stories. Yeah, but the, the the point is, like, we need structure, and it, and it needs to be the right amount of structure where it's not too oppressive, and uh, not it can't be not enough where it feels like some hippy dippy summer camp. You know, I don't know. Still coming into my own style and figuring it out. Yeah, there's like a happy medium between leading by example and then having to create rules and structure and give people responsibilities and delegate. Yeah. To a point you have to lead by example showing like the kind of work ethic and so on and so forth, but you can't put your hands on everything. It's been a lot of like of uh, 5 years of trying to understand what that meant to me. Mm. That how do I nurture talent around me? I can't do all the the short ribs, I can't do all the charcuterie, I can't do all the things. So it's been a growing experience for sure. Yeah. Yeah, mm. and I think this is what they call wisdom, right? It's just you do your time and you, you you get some you get some smarts. Yeah, I'm just tired. I mean, this whole year I feel this year of all the years I've been just so fucking proverbially tired. I'm just tired. Like, yeah, tired. I've actually uh, decided that I'm going to take a, a week off. Is that a okay? That's been is this a, the first time you're announcing that? Yeah. Well, no, no. This is uh, the second time in three days. Oh. <laughs> I bought a trip to Utah. Oh, cool! And I'm just gonna go to Utah. What are you What are you gonna do in Utah? Nothing. Oh, okay. As little as possible. Okay. I have some friends that live in Park City, so we're just gonna go there. And... You're not Mormon or anything, are you? I'm not. Okay. <laughs> no, I just feel like the scenes would be something that would be good. Yeah. Yeah. Because every time I go on like a trip, I feel like it's always like very food related. So I just do all the food things, which I love. Is that how you travel? Oh, yeah. Everything is revolving around food. Uh, so it. pretty much you're always working. 
I guess, essentially, yeah. That's exhausting. Yeah, I mean, but I love to dine. So it's like, it's it, it's amazing. You get to eat some of the best food in the world. Yeah, so where where was the one place that you remember? You're like, man, I ate so well there. Rustic Canyon. Rustic Canyon. Jeremy Fox. Yeah. Okay. Rustic Canyon. Uh, and then when I went back to L.A., I ate at his new restaurant. And I actually got to meet him and talk to him. And just like his food was incredible both times. You know, cool. Very, very, very good. You know, Avec in Chicago, I love that. Alinea was like great. But that dinner at Rustic Canyon was a game changer. Mm. It and, was. And what that do for you? You came back. You're like, all right, I'm on fire. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. I'm going to do this. I think it helped me gain a little perspective of like the direction I wanted my food to go in. You know, our food is very seasonal. And this is like, it's a tough season for anyone that's seasonal because we have like five things. But to be You mean more, summertime? Yeah, summertime. How do you do a seasonal menu in the summer? You take advantage of the things only Miami can provide. Mame, mango, avocado. Not only, but uh, jackfruit. We have all those dishes on the menu right now as a focal point of the dish. Mm. So instead of shying away from who Miami is, you know, accept it and try to work with what you're given. Yeah. I think that's part of what the restaurant's mission statement is. And I think... You know, we did that. Now it gets more exciting in fucking December and January because you have those things plus a bunch of other things. Tomatoes. You have tomatoes. <laughs> you have turnips. You have zucchini. Everything. You have carrots. Yeah, okay. you, have, you have lettuce. You have greens. You have herbs. You have everything. But that's another thing. I feel like, you know, in order to have a great food culture, you need to have a f- great food agriculture. And, and do you find we have enough agriculture to support the food culture that we desire? Not enough, but we have a good one. I feel like the, there are four or five. If we have a good one, who has a bad one? Um, I mean, in are we trying to compare like us to like New York or any of those? Cities? Anyone? I just I just feel like we have such little amount of agriculture here, and not we have big ag, right? Like we we grow a shit ton of tomatoes, like Damari down there in right. the Homestead for for Burger King and whatnot. But I mean, agriculture to support restaurants, to support communities, to support farmers markets. I feel like it's quite limited for for a city of our size. I, I expect more. I feel like I get everything I need. I go to Bee Heaven and the four farms that she pulls but from. But Bee Heaven is like a five-acre farm in Homestead. Hers, but she pulls from five other farms. Yeah. L&B Groves, Swank Farms. Like, I mean, you get from L&B? Yeah. Cool. I mean, they have the best mame in the city by far. Mm. You know... What Jody and Darren do in West Palm? I mean, we're talking about like five that I can five that I like. I could, that's on one hand, and which is understandable. But this is a, if we're a major city. Well, we this should... all also also goes back to landlords and real estate. So what people are charging for land mm-hmm. dictates what you can put on that land and how you make money on that land. Mm-hmm. So again, it goes back to uh, the, fucking landlords. Yeah. It goes back to that whole thing. It's like if we need to continuously uh, build up instead of building inwards, then we're going to be, we're only going to have five farms and then they're all going to be at Homestead. And it's going to be like large agriculture, like you said, because they're guaranteed money on that. They're guaranteed money. I think it's a cultural thing. I think Miami is so infatuated with sex and money and, and, and Lamborghinis and, 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 God, all the stupid shit. And it's not sexy to be a farmer. I think... 
Like it's pretty sexy to be a farmer in in certain parts of North Carolina and oh, I believe and Oregon and, yeah, yeah. and but it's just not our culture here. It's sexy to be rich here. I think that <laughs> I don't find I don't think that that's the case. Tell me. I think that we are fed certain things about Miami that the large portion of the population both in Miami and outside of Miami believe which is South Beach, the glitz and glamour, the ocean drive, the, the boom things, boom, all that stuff. We're fed that. Our Dude, own I, our own I, government I, feeds us that, right? There is a bureau within our government that feeds us that. And it's not only South Beach, man. Um, I mean, I don't know. Like when I look at Kendall, I'm not like sex Lamborghinis. Of I course, think when I look at Kendall, I'm, that's the back of the house, bro. <laughs> I, well, no, I I think that once you leave the beach, I I find that well, the beach in Wynwood. You leave that thing, that whole Lamborghinis and sex thing. That's what we use that as for me. Lamborghinis and sex. I don't I see it everywhere. God, why are there so well, many all, Lamborghinis? We should see a Lamborghini every once well, in a while. They're all rentals, too. Are they? Fuck yeah. You think those like 24-year-old kids have Lamborghinis? No. I, I don't know. I wonder. He comes to the bakery all the time. and he Oh, looks well, that's all... different. If he's riding a Lamborghini, he's going three times a week, then he that is his. And his breakfast sandwich and shit and his Lamborghini. And... and he's probably putting oat milk in that shit too, right? So it's probably fucking like a $9 latte. Nine, no, not quite $9, but yeah, it is, <laughs> it's, it's oat milk. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know, man. I don't know what's going on. I just think there's a lot of sex, and I think the predominant culture in Miami is like, you know, boom, boom, like flashy, boom, boom. You know what I mean? The yeah, boom, but boom. I, yes. Don't pretend you don't see the boom, boom. No, I do. I, I totally, but this is what, <laughs> I just feel like this is what's fed. When I look at Miami, when I think about Miami, I think about you. I'm think about flattered. Me. Relax. Dude, there's more. <laughs> there's, I think about me. I think about other people like us. I don't think about that. And that's my biggest thing when I talk to these people that are supposed to be promoting Miami on a larger scale. Is like forget about all these things. What makes Miami special? What makes Miami special to you? Zach makes Miami special. Little Havana makes Miami special. Coconut Grove makes Miami special. Mary's Coin Laundry. Mary's fucking Coin Laundry. You know makes my yeah El Mago, El Array, those things, you know, like the croquetas from Isla Canaria, mm. they make Miami special. Wow. Those things is for me Clive's Cafe. Uh. That's what makes Miami special. Not the Lamborghinis and the sex. Yeah. Ocean Drive, the neon lights. Well, there's some cool neon lights like on Biscayne. I like, I like neon too. Yeah. I know, but it's overdone on Ocean Drive. Yeah. All the like shit restaurants that are charging like ninety dollars for the f- shitty frozen bronzino and the tuna tartare with soy sauce, <laughs> all those things, or with like the bread that was coming out of a box out of Cisco from it's just they just need to defrost it. Like not those, those. That's not what makes Miami special, and what's fed to the rest of the country about what makes Miami special is that, and that's why what's most related to Miami always is that. The look, the chongas, thing, which cool. I like chongas too. I'm just saying, the fucking, the overdoing of like. I like chongas too. Yeah, I mean, I would expect you to. <laughs> both of you dancing, and I feel like you're both wearing matching shirts. Are they wearing? Are they wearing matching shirts? Power 96. You guys ever listen to Roll Call on 99 Jams? Yeah. 
It's a roll call, y'all. What's it gonna be? Y'all live three with your homie Al B. Oh, my name is Zach, and I'm coming from Kendall. I'm sitting here with Mike and Kendall. Kendall. Oh, it's a roll call, y'all. It's a roll call, y'all. What's up, y'all? What's it gonna be? Y'all live three with your homie Al B. Oh, man. That's right. Represent the West. I'm from Kendall because we are the best. Oh! <laughs> you look ready to wrap up I'll here, be Mike. Silly. That's just a lot. We just did a roll call from 99 Jams. Are you just feeling left out because you didn't get to No, go? no, I'm not. I'm not. I got, guys, I got to pee. I think this is the end. All right. So, well, so that, we'll, that's the bathroom is there. That's where. You want to uh, just go ahead and do it? No, we'll, you guys are all listening to me pee. That's true. You're going to put We're, the we'll mic up to it. We do this wrap-up thing now. Okay, so here's what we do at the end of every episode of the podcast, even though I know you've heard all of them. For listening we'll, we'll go around. Everybody will take turns. And this is where we do our parting recommendations. This can be you're recommending absolutely anything. It could be a thing you watched, uh, read, ate, did, whatever. Just whatever you'd like to recommend to people who are listening to this, other than your own stuff, because what comes next is shameless plugs, and then we're done. Okay. Mike, you got anything? I mean, uh, what I just watched yesterday was um, what I recommended like three shows ago, which was The Man Who Killed Hitler and then Bigfoot. You can't just keep recycling that thing. No, but I actually watched it this time. Say say it one more time. The Man Who Killed Hitler and And, Bigfoot? And then Killed Bigfoot. I don't get it, man. Yeah, it's a thing. It's a very weird movie, but I watched it and... It was rather intriguing. Mm. It was very weird, but I was like, I don't know. I watched the whole fucking thing, which I never watched a whole movie if I think it's trash. Is it on a streaming device? Or it was on... TikTok? Wasn't on TikTok. Yeah, I think it was Amazon Prime. I haven't yeah. activated my TikTok yet. Oh. Huh. Well, you, you probably, I think, can't anymore. It's time right? for Ariete you... to get on TikTok. Wait, you can't have a TikTok anymore? I think Trump banned it. Did he? Yeah. Yeah, man. It's over. No more TikTok. No more TikTok. That's um, crazy. Do you have anything, Carlos, before we let uh, you have a recommendation you want to make? We've, we were joined mid-podcast by Carlos here, by Carlos Kaluber. We're doing it. I saw this thing, a documentary called Love on the Spectrum on Netflix. Oh, I heard it's really good. That was really fucking yeah. good. It was, Everyone I did not expect to like it as much as I did. I felt wrong watching it. You did? Did you? Yeah, I did. I, Why? I, I, could see where, I could see that. There was, a, there was a part of me that felt wrong in the beginning. I just took it. Can somebody tell me a little more about it? Because I know very vaguely about what it's about. It's um, it's following like autistic young adults like our age mm-hmm. that are starting to date, and just going through all the socialization, just learning the right the most basic of things. But it's but it's also it's also well, the reason why I liked it because you you get to see a side of adults with autism that I don't know what it is to interact with someone like that or, or to how someone like that behaves or it was amazing to see how much you can relate you know and how normal really ultimately they are and not really you know that different i guess that was the lesson so uh zach you got recommendations there yeah i don't know if it's a recommendation but i find myself watching um the west wing from season one to season nine over and over and over and over again i just keep i don't know if it's just- like comfort like yeah. it's like a blanket for me. I just keep watching Bartlett, you know, through the years, and I'll watch through the seasons, and then I'll just start right all over again. And maybe it's just I'm dreaming of you know politics going back to the way they used to be. Good luck. Yeah, um, of just you know 
the right and the left and how, you know, it's the good old right and the left. And I just... Nick, Nick loves the right and the left. No, it's a boxing metaphor. Oh, yeah. I get, a, I get that more. I don't know. Just like the... Yeah. I just, so I just... Maybe I'm fantasizing. So I just... I keep watching Bartlett and the administration and and all their class and their ethics and their morals and their whatnot. And, and I'll just watch straight through nine seasons and then I'll just start right all over again. I don't know if that's there's something a little depressing about that, but you know. Okay. I, f- I feel the that I think everyone has a show. Like for me, it's Star Trek: The Next Generation. Mm. So shameless plugs. Plug all of your things. Where can people find you and your bread and all that stuff? Yeah. So um, I'm Zach the Baker, and uh, we're a, a local indie bakery in Wynwood, Miami. We have a retail shop. You can come by, and you can. Uh, you can pick up what you want from the retail shop. And we also bake for 16 different Whole Foods in South Florida every morning. We deliver. And uh, whole, we also are at different restaurants and things like that or home delivery. We also have a pop-up in the evening with live music. We got a lot going on. We're all over the place right now. We're hanging on. We're, we're doing all right. Uh, yeah, Zach the Baker. Go get him. Mike, oh. shameless plugs. Yeah. Ariat Miami, Jugs Diner, uh, Nave, and my Instagram is Pig Inc. That's, those are all my plugs. That's all the things. And then finally, you can find Bang Kong Podcast on all of the social media things at Bang Kong Podcast. Also, datemag.com slash Bang Kong Podcast if you want to catch uh, past episodes. Datemag.com also has other things like our, uh, I'll call it a sister podcast, Step Into the Sandbox with David Verhano, as well as a bunch of other written stuff if you're a person who reads, and our sort of new-ish video series, Dade Blind Tasting. So far, we have had blind tastings. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. Dave Blind Tastings, we did uh, Blind Tastings of Bottled Teas with JoJo Tea founder Mike Ortiz. We did uh, Daniel Levine of Dasher and Crank Tasting Grocery Store Ice Creams. Michael Beltran tasted canned black beans and frozen croquetas. And coming up, Chef Miguel Massens will be blind tasting uh, mojo that he's just drinking like an animal. Makes sense. So with that, uh, we're going to have Zach play us out with his cell phone. And uh, and we're out of here. This is this is the end. Thanks.